to tell It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, Black Man Smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the official holiday podcast of people who failed the president's all-American physical fitness challenge in high school. <laughs> We're now more than halfway through with our countdown to Christmas Eve, so we'd better get some shopping done. So it's off to the mall today during a revealing trip back to 1970 by way of 1990. It's the Wonder Years, and this is a very cut lip Christmas. What would you do if I sang? Out of tune, would you stand up and walk out on I am expressionless child who appears to not be bothered after almost being carried off by Santa Claus, Mike Westfall. And joining me is my childhood best friend who may or may not have grown up to be Marilyn Manson. Please welcome Andy Gaddis. Hey, Andy. Who told? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't know it was a secret. Oh, no. Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here. I'm excited to talk about this insane thing. It, it is a very insane thing. It's it's weird because this is one of, I think, four Christmas episodes of the Wonder Years. And this is the one that I remember the most. Same. Absolutely. I know there is one about color TV and the, I don't know. I can't remember the others, but color TV, two of them involves. Oh, no. Winnie got me a good present. Better get her something, too. They did that <laughs> twice, I think. Wow. Recycling plots. Wonder Years. Come on. Hmm. You're better than that. Uh, let's start with your history of the Wonder Years. Like, do you remember watching this episode as a kid? I do, but I was a, a late late comer to this. This was a, a Nick at Night show for me. Oh, okay. And watched this with uh with mom as as I did most nights. Uh, would watch this, you know, a little I Love Lucy, the classics. Um, and this was definitely one of my favorites personally. I was so so enraptured by the intro to this. Uh, who was it? Fogarty that did the original cover? No, is a uh, Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker. Yeah, I loved that. So you watched the Hulu version. Yes. Oh, I mean, I, I know that's been embroiled forever, though, right? The, the whole the rights issues and all. Yeah, well, I, if you want to watch along with us, it is currently streaming on Hulu and I don't think anywhere else. Uh, but be prepared for a shock because they replaced Joe Cocker's cover of With a Little Help from My Friends with a sound alike. And it was jarring. Yeah. Yeah, it is. What would you do? If I sang on a tune. <laughs> it's a, uh, I don't know. Hmm. Doesn't sit right. No, no, it doesn't. Uh, if you really need Joe Cocker in your life, there are other copies of this that weren't too difficult to find with the simple search. So if you absolutely have to watch this with the original intro, you're on your own. I can I can suck it up, but uh, man, next time I'll, I'll go the extra mile and get that, <laughs> get that Joe Cocker. There you go. Uh, so this was not your introduction to Fred Savage or anything. Oh, not at all. No, I, I think I watched the whole f series on Nick at Night, like maybe back to front a couple times. So like I was very into it, like as much as you could be. in in that era, I was probably like, what, 90, 98, 99, 2000. Like I was I was I was somewhat young at the time, but I was really taken with it. OK, um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely I watched this the night it aired. Just because oh. I think I watched every episode of The Wonder Years with my family as it aired. Uh, this one is from December 12th, 1990. This might be the first show where I watched every episode front to back. Yeah, I was wondering if it was definitely one of my I mean, first show not intended explicitly for 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 youngsters, um, maybe. But because I know I definitely got in like. All the Beast Wars episodes, for example, <laughs> like I got right. The first yeah. non-cartoon, I'll say. Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember every episode now. More than thirty years later. <laughs> well, apparently they repeat. So this is one of a handful of episodes that I actually have a memory of sitting in my parents' room watching it with them. Mm. Uh, but I knew Fred Savage before watching this show from 
there was this VHS tape I had called Dinosaurs, a fun-filled <laughs> trip back in time. <laughs> and Fred Savage plays a student who has to write and present a report about dinosaurs, which is then shown as this claymation thing by Will Vinton. Oh, wow. And that was also my introduction to uh, Rex and Herb, who would later host the Claymation Christmas celebration. Wow, that's like, that's a very specific Prometheus point for you and your Fred Savage journey. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) So when my family started watching this show, I'm like, hey, it's the Dinosaur Report Kid. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't even know about like, um, what was that? My little mon or little monsters, little monsters, yeah, little monsters. I didn't even know about that until like a little bit after I had finished the series. I think. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Well, that was an obscure one. I mean, uh, probably the biggest touch point during the Wonder Years with Fred Savage has to go is the Wizard, the Nintendo movie. Yeah, I did. I did see that one. Faux show. (laughs) How did you? How could you avoid it? It was a blockbuster era. I was either going to be a game or a movie about a game. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But the weird part about me remembering this one as opposed to all the other Christmas episodes of this show was that quite a few regular cast members are just not in this episode at all. Yeah, I was noticing that. Like, like uh, uh, Hugh Laurie? Not Hugh Laurie. Uh, Dan Laurie. Dan Laurie. <laughs> you were close. That's close. <laughs> it had a, it had one syllable in common. That's good enough for me. Um, and uh, Olivia Diabo, Diabo, whatever she she's yeah. in only in like a quarter of the episodes or something. But even even Wayne wasn't in this. Wayne wasn't there. No, it, uh, no Winnie Cooper. Yeah, Paul like Paul was in it for like a second. Yeah, he like, had one line in the whole episode. Yeah, he got paid, leaving only Kevin's mom, played by Allie Mills. You know what? What? We should get you a new tie too. No, mom. No ties. I, I got the shoes. Enough's enough. Kevin. I look to see what she has been up to, and she's been on the Bold and Beautiful since 2006. So, oh wow, steady working. Okay, yeah, good for her. Uh, but their absence is more than made up for by the real star of this episode, Kevin's gym teacher, Ed Cutlip. The President's All American Physical Fitness Challenge. I guess I don't have to tell you this is an awesome responsibility, do I? Played masterfully by Robert Picardo. Do you know him from anything else? I, you know, I didn't know that I did. I'm not a Star Trek guy, but by looking up his name, I was like, oh, yeah, I've definitely seen this guy in promotional stuff for Star Trek in my life. (laughs) Yeah, that's happened. Okay, he's a character on Star Trek Voyager called the doctor who's like a holographic emergency medical program. Oh, he's not even real. No, he's a hologram, but he becomes the ship's de facto medical chief. Wow. Automation is ruining the future. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, well, he was on that. He was uh, he was on several Stargate series, and those were his two touch points besides this. But here he is, Coach Cutlip, the very embodiment of every male physical education teacher I have ever had or known. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty great in this, and like, like he, I don't know how many episodes he was in before this, but he was pretty regular. I mean, oh yeah, he was in the pilot. Um, oh, was he? Okay, I couldn't remember that. Yeah, well, I remember the second episode of the whole show because he does this great chalkboard drawing of the female reproductive system. Yeah. I mean, I, that might be an even bigger moment for him than this episode. Even oh, yeah. This is a, definitely a contender. It's those two. But I'm going to put that picture of the female reproductive system in the show notes. It's just <laughs> it, it looks like a cow's head, hair ovaries <laughs> and a uterus. And then one kid asks him to draw the female body around it to give us a better idea. So he just draws a rounded square, gives <laughs> it stick figure arms and legs and a tiny head. Looks like an app icon for something horrible. It really does look like an app icon. It's post. Uh, but let's talk about this Christmas episode. Yeah. And thankfully, once you get past that different Joe Cocker replacement cover because of the rights, uh, the adult voice of Kevin narrating his childhood is still Daniel Stern. Thank God. When you're a kid, it's simple. Christmas is magic. Speaking of shocks, do you remember realizing that the voice narrating the wonder years was one of the wet bandits from home alone. I think I did. And it's like, maybe it's gotta be like a flashpoint in my life where it suddenly was like, I can be, I can really dig into the information about the, these shows that I watch 
and find out too much about them. And it wasn't until a long time later that I realized what a folly that was in my life. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I remember him showing up on TV Guide and was like, wait a minute, it's him? I couldn't believe it, man. Like, he's he's so, like, um, he does like, such a great, like, uh, just homey story. He has a great homey sound in this. Like, yeah. I, it's that Midwest accent is just kick, killing it in this. But in the, uh, sorry, I almost called the movie The Wet Bandits. In Home Alone, <laughs> he's like, he's just so amped up. It's like, it's hard to make those connect in my mind, even as a kid. Yeah. Especially as a kid, I guess. He's in so many other roles just as a version of his character on Home Alone that's just... Mm-hmm. The opposite of calm and collected. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen it, but I've heard he's in uh, a Christmas Story too. Oh, is so he? I yeah, he plays dad character. Okay, in a Christmas Story to the direct to video sequel or direct to DVD, whatever it is. Oh, not this new one they're making. The okay, I know. Oh, you're no, about. is there a new one? Oh no, they're going back to the Christmas Story well because they're going back to every well now that everything's streaming. Yeah, is this going to be like a, a hard hitting reboot centered on like uh, whatever the the kid with yellow eyes, whatever his name was, <laughs> Scott Farkas? It's going to be like a Wednesday Adams Pennyworth situation Ooh. where we just focus on one weird <laughs> oddball side character. I'd be down. I wouldn't say no, <laughs> no. Yeah, but anyway, Daniel Stern opens with a very soothing intro as the camera zooms in to the Arnold family Christmas tree. Then you get older, somehow things change the magic begins to fade until something happens that reminds you at christmas time miracles still can be found and then we cut via whistle to gym class it's an excellent moment it is the all boys freshman year gym class to the president's all-American physical fitness challenge, which Coach Cutlips takes very seriously as a decree entrusted unto him by Richard Milhouse Nixon himself. Millie. That's right. In my grasp is a message from Richard Milhouse Nixon. Gentlemen, our chief executive has entrusted me as a physical educator to make sure you men are performing at or above the national average. Face it, the guy with Scrooge in a baseball cap. <laughs> Scoozy. Andy, did you have to take this presidential fitness test? I did, and um, much as you mentioned in your intro, it was um, a big swing and a miss for me most of the time. Oh, um, me too. I, I don't know if I accomplished a single pull-up. I could do sit-ups just fine. But man, don't put me on a bar. I cannot do a pull up to save my life. See, I'm the opposite. I can do pull ups okay, but I can't do a sit up to save my life. Together, we are one man That's or one right. middle schooler, <laughs> I guess. We are unstoppable <laughs> if our forces are combined. But I remember it might have been the ropes. I was a fair climber, but there was one thing that I met that presidential mark and I was super excited about it, only for the entire rest of the class to inform me nobody cares. <laughs> man like, what happened to like that certification for it's it, I, I i does it go anywhere it feels like it's like a dharma initiative experiment where they just send off the results into a pit somewhere in south america like what is that for <laughs> they use it so they can do a press release and just like look at our healthy american children yeah that press release hasn't really been singing for a while yeah well <laughs> we have not been doing so hot you get your fake little certificate of achievement stamped with the president's signature, which I absolutely thought was legit when I was 11 or 12. Nice. George H.W. Bush just sitting behind his desk signing millions of certificates. That's his job. Yeah, I'd love to go on the House floor and argue this bill, but I just got too many presidential fitness awards. Right. That's a the heavy lies the crown, you know? Yes. Uh, so we get this montage of Kevin's class taking this test, which includes chin-ups, sit-ups, shuttle run, helpfully abbreviated shut on the chalkboard, <laughs> that. various calisthenics, and the dreaded rope climb. Uh, and this montage is another point where the Hulu version replaced all the music on this episode, I found out. Mm-hmm. So originally it was a surf rock instrumental of Sleigh Ride. And they just replaced it with another completely different instrumental of Slave Ride. 
I mean, I think they did that. I think the entire series is kind of done that way. Now, especially on streaming, like it took a while to get to streaming. I think because of that, and because they had to go through with a fine tooth comb and find every instance of like Beatles Blackbird or whatever, oh, and yeah. replace it with, I don't know, Pond Five stock track number seven. <laughs> Just every once in a while, they'll be doing, they'll climbing the ropes, and in the background, you hear audio jungle. Yeah, yeah. Premiumbeats.com. <laughs> That's not an endorsement. No. Or not an endorsement either. Nope. <laughs> well, after that, we're in the locker room where Coach Cutlip tells Kevin and his friends, men, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you let me down. Don't give it a second thought. There's always manana. Manana. The random Spanish and like and French like that's how Kevin. Well, I guess we'll get to it, but that seems like such a a, a novel little choice to me. Now it's like just like makes me titter a little bit. Yeah, it's a weird male energy thing. It's yeah, especially like in 1970. Not that I was around in 1970, but that seems like a very See, it kind of strikes me. I don't thing. know, maybe because I, I don't know. But like to me, it strikes me as like a 90s thing. And I'm wondering if I'm just connecting it in my mind to like an hasta la vista sort of thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a very specific mm-hmm. energy that I guess tr- transcends time. But well, that prompts one of the guys to declare that's it. I say we kill him. Very normal thought by a very normal young man. And then, yeah, here we get Paul's single line of the episode. Hey, don't get me involved with this. I got to play basketball for the guy. (laughs) And we never see him again on this episode. And nor would he be. uh, We benefit from him. I think like it's just he's just there to remind us that he's doing things in the background. And thank God he is because nobody else is. Yeah, right. Remember, (laughs) Kevin's friend, Paul, he still exists. Yeah. Moving on. The show and him are drifting apart. Yeah, well. (laughs) Did you ever have a teacher you loathed to the point where you wished harm to them? Well, I mean, I would say so to my buddies. I think that part actually rings pretty true. I would. I mean, you say all kinds of things to your middle school friends like, ah, I hate them. I wish they would run off a cliff or something horrible. I guess so. I don't know. I'm thinking like I never cared enough to plot my gym teacher's demise. <laughs> well, if they get to the plotting phase, then we'll worry for sure. There you go. <laughs> Well, Kevin isn't going to let Cutlip dampen his Christmas spirit because his mom's doing a fine job at that already, he says. And we cut to the mall, which I haven't been to a mall recently, but I will say with the exception of certain specialty stores, every mall I've ever been to certainly seems like it's trapped in 1970 like this episode. Dude, yeah, I was actually wondering, and I I really genuinely don't know, because the mall to me seems like such an 80s and... 80s to 90s thing like a mall like that but i mean dawn of the dead existed before this so or uh yeah dawn of the dawn of the dead yeah dawn of the yeah, dead, dawn of the dead. This. so like there were indoor malls like this i guess it was oh, pretty yeah. common but in my mind like looking at it this time it finally occurred to me i was like wait did they was this even a thing at this time or am i i don't know it took me a minute i feel like late 60s was when they were new mm-hmm. and i remember being really young and going to malls and they still had that 70s aesthetic kind of making their way into the 80s and it was a slow transition yeah it was was a few more minutes before we got to the true stories david byrne level mall (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it was like this was this definitely was like every mall i've ever seen and every mall you'll ever be oh yeah even now uh, like I, i don't know that i've i've been to a few malls this year like in our area and there there's not that many but it's so weird how trapped in time they are especially when the further you get out from a major metro oh yeah no malls and bowling alleys i feel like every bowling alley (laughs) i've ever been to feels like it's 1989 dude it's perfect for that yeah and that's why they had to bring in uh astro bowling or whatever just to just to bring it back to the new millennium (laughs) yeah right it's the future now (laughs) we've got black lights yep So Kevin's at the mall shopping with his mother, and he seems to be doing that young teenager thing where he's hoping no one he knows sees him at the mall with his parents because, God forbid, his peers find out that he has parents. I know. And it's mom is written as like, I'm going to get you a tie. You want a tie, right? Get a tie. And it's like this this very like, uh, I don't know, (laughs) very basic 
tropey moment where it's just like, Mom, she's such a pain. Oh, she wants to be around me and pick ties. Oh boy, I don't want to tie. <laughs> it's, it's so uh, I don't know. It's just so this show. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. No, this sounds like a thing Kevin's mother specifically does for his family every Christmas. Mm-hmm. But he somehow gets mom to leave for five minutes to shop for a tie for his dad instead, who, again, is sadly absent from this episode. I feel like if Cutlip wasn't involved this episode, they've just like on the back burner got a mom and Kevin coming to an understanding uh, episode on the wings, just waiting there in case the Cutlip thing doesn't work out. Yeah, like a very (laughs) minuscule B plot here that they just put on the back burner because Cutlip was going so well. Yeah, and he's, God, he, he's so great. I'm, I'll let you continue getting to that. So Kevin now has this sort of moment kids get in between being a child and being an adult where he wonders what happened to the magic of Christmas. And right on cue, we hear the very jolly laughter of Santa at the mall. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Beautiful. I don't know that I had that reaction to Santa at his age, but... No, <laughs> I... I'll go with it. I didn't, but... Let's talk about this mall setup they have, because I mm-hmm. always find it fascinating how malls in particular seem to go really big on their Santa Claus meet and greet area. Yeah, for sure. Like there's I mean, more so than what we see in this show. Actually, I think it's pretty modest compared to what I've seen. Uh, oh, yeah. Over the course of my life. This one is like just got one surly guy instead of like three surly elves <laughs> walking around. Yeah. So a little different. Yeah, just one gigantic ice castle. So. Which was probably a big deal, and they've, it's only gone up from there. I remember it being this winding maze of giant ornaments as a kid, and now it's just this whole setup. Mm-hmm. It like waiting in line for Santa now feels like you're in an escape room. That's because you've lost the Christmas magic in your soul, Mike. That's why. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're here to do. That's what Advent Calendar House is all about, buddy. Let's get you back on track. That's right. Uh, Here at Kevin's Mall in the year 1970, it's Santa's kingdom, and he lives in a white castle trimmed with lights, and the castle looks both big and rather small at the same time, but it's perfect. And Kevin starts to feel that spark of Christmas magic again, just watching Santa. Until... (laughs) Santa sneezes and utters that familiar scoozy. Mm -hmm. And of course it's Cutlip. Oh my god who also notices Kevin and freezes for a second before rushing into a back door of his castle with a kid still under his arm that was on his lap. It's definitely one of the best parts of this episode. He (laughs) abducts a child (laughs) in this film. Just some very quiet, cooperative child actor in a white sweater and a blonde bowl cut. And mom's just sitting there waiting for the snapshot, I guess. I don't know. Like, mom never intervenes. No one is phased by this. Did Santa just abscond with my child? Am yep. I gonna have to do is there a manhunt situation happening? Kid has no expression on his face. He just puts him down like he's a mannequin and just quickly <laughs> dumped back to his mom. <laughs> That's why you never say scoozy. That's why I never do it. <laughs> Long shot of the question, but when you were a kid, did you ever recognize someone who was working as Santa? No, no, I never did. I mean, I think honestly, like over the years, I think that. The people that I ended up seeing, I think that over time it's become more and more like, you know, a biker does this on Christmas time or something like somebody who's not not in the sphere of an act of a child normally. (laughs) Okay, I had a friend's dad who I recognized as Santa once, but I was with my younger brother and sister. Really? So I realized about halfway through that it was my friend's dad uh, while it was my sister's turn to sit in his lap. So I kind of gave a bit of a look. But as far as my memory goes, I kept my mouth shut. So. Good job, nice. younger me. Yeah, you didn't do an Annie Wilkes where you started screaming to everybody in the mall. Like, <laughs> no. It's as a trap. Not this time. But of course, the following morning back at school, Kevin and Coach Cutlip immediately bump into each other. Yeah. Make it super awkward. But in his defense, Kevin only has two moods in this entire series run. <laughs> yeah. It's either awkward like this or his impatiently angry mood. Okay. There's also like the and I think they see this here. There's one more, which I'll give it a half of a mood because it always gets cut short. And it's his optimistic "Phew, Everything's fine. And then he says something dumb as hell. And it ends up 
ends up having like having catastrophic effect. Yeah, his dumb as hell thing that he says here is Merry Christmas after he realized, oh, maybe it wasn't Coach I saw at the mall. Nope, it was, because when Cutlip pauses and turns around, now all Kevin can see is Santa. And you know, honestly, I think that um the Cutlip performance in these kinds of scenes where they're kind of doing this semi-misdirect where he's like we think that, like, because Kevin's saying so, essentially, it's the only reason. But we yeah. think, oh, no, now Kevin's going to catch it from from the coach or whatever. He's a mean coach, and now he's uh, he's testing the waters with this guy. But, he like, they conceal that pretty well, I think. Like, it's, like I think the acting there really does the job of of, of hiding his, his seams. Cutlip has an A-plus poker face. Mm-hmm. He just kind of does this... Like a slow breathe and then a nod, and it can mean anything. Yeah, just lips tighten up. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen somebody with less lip than this man. <laughs> really? A thin-lipped boy. Comes marching into the gym with purpose, tells the men they'll all need to work harder today, and they're starting with the shuttle run. And like you said, Kevin thinks he's in for a world of pain, but Coach waves his finger like, come here. Arnold. Yes, sir. How about you keep time? Yep, and it's, of course, the swerve. Good old-fashioned bribery. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff, and, you know, that's a good old-fashioned trope, I think. And the, the the resentment it leads to and all that stuff, it's good. It's Yeah. I don't know. I don't have anything to add. I just like it. <laughs> no, no, it, it, it's absolutely great, the tension that builds. But first, we cut to commercial. Dear Jenny, you're so neat. <laughs> oh, I don't usually pour my heart out like this. I'm mesmerized. mesmerized. Your effervescent charm. My passion, my passion for you will never be quenched. I will always thirst for your companionship. Oh, Jenny, you must feel so special. I feel like a Pepsi. And then we return after those messages to Kevin getting his books knocked out of his hand by his friend Tommy. Hey, guys. Teacher's pack. The absolute dirtbag friends. <laughs> oh, I love these guys. Turn on him on a dime because he held a stopwatch for a second. Oh, yeah. How dare you? Tommy is played by Jay Lambert. And when I went to look him up on Wikipedia, they linked to the wrong Jay Lambert. Ooh, not a great sign. They linked to some long dead Olympic boxer. Oh, bummer. The real Jay Lambert was in four whole episodes of this show as Kevin's friend Tommy. Uh, he also had a small part in Pump Up the Volume with Christian Slater. Oh, wow. And was on a sitcom called Nearly Departed as a kid whose family moves into the house of a couple killed in an accident. But their ghosts still live there. And one of the ghosts is Eric Idle. <laughs> That actually sounds pretty great. It does. It was like a, a late 80s remake of the movie Topper. Oh, I've never even heard of that. But that, I mean, put Eric Idle as a ghost haunting a young child. Yeah, I, I, could, I could watch that for sure. <laughs> so that's Jay Lambert. Uh, he's the brother of Ryan Lambert from Monster Squad and Kids Incorporated. Oh, he's wait. He, who is he in Monster Squad? Uh, Well, his brother, Ryan. Lambert, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, was was oh, one of the main. Yes. Yeah, yep. Mm hmm. Um, OK. Kevin's other friends who are equally as annoyed with him are Randy. We should just call you Cutlip in training. Oh, come on, guys. It's not like that. Played by Michael Tracarino, who has no other acting credits listed. And Doug Porter, who was kind of a regular friend of Kevin's. What I wouldn't give just once to have something over Cutlip. He's played by Brandon Crane, who also played John Ritter's younger self on the original Stephen King's It. That's right. He's Ben Hanscom. That's how I know him, too. Yes. Like, like, even though I've watched this series, I must have seen it around the same time because I definitely identify this actor as Ben Hanscom. He's like one of the better actors in that. I think it's the same year. I think it's 1990 or close to oh, it. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Uh, he apparently also has a cameo in It Chapter 2, which I haven't seen yet because all of my movie watching these days is either for the podcast or with my children. <laughs> 
Heavy lies the crown. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've seen it, but I had no idea he was in it. So I'm going to have to like rewatch it. That's I, I don't know. I, I was OK with that movie and that franchise or whatever. I would I would rewatch it. Maybe okay. I'll sneak it on so I can see old Ben Hans come back in business. Yeah, well, well, it looks like Brandon Crane also just started his own podcast in September called The Errorist. So that's in the show notes. Well, let's get him on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not quite there yet <laughs> glad you're doing well doug porter uh, but kevin tries to explain that he's not a cut lip in training as his friends accuse him of when the coach walks up to him and offers him a pistachio which ruins his case a red pistachio is yes, that a thing the red ones yeah the the insides are red not the shells but I'm no nut expert. What can I say? But <laughs> yeah I, 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 offering a little satchel of nuts to your students i, I don't think there's a version of that that's a good look really no not at all <laughs> i don't think absolutely not just hands him the whole bag but then doug takes the bag <laughs> and i don't know you can't you're not allowed to get nuts from your teacher it's just not it's not right it's not it's frowned upon nope and do it kevin has had quite enough so he catches up with cutlip asks to talk to him uh and also not a good look coach opens the nearest janitor closet so they can talk in private there's a lot. Honestly, I could I could see this awakening something in somebody this episode and a young man. I guess so. It's all innocent in 1970. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 innocent as written. But, right. you know, I don't know. My suspicious adult brain is, is working overtime, I guess. <laughs> I watch a lot of horror movies. What can I say? That'll do it. <laughs> no, I had misremembered this as his office. I had. For years, I had this memory of, oh, poor gym teacher's office is in a closet in the hallway. It's not. We see his office later, but. Oh, yeah, I know. This is the scene I remember. But mm -hmm. Kevin tries to talk to him, but Cutlip keeps trying to offer him things like passes to get out of gym. And you're excused from the president's challenge. Can he do that? I mean, he's going to let down Millie. I'll tell yeah, you that. Yes, this was an important charge bestowed onto him. I don't I think mean, that's his jurisdiction to excuse a student from the president's challenge. But everything's at risk. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Tread carefully, Cutlip. No. Mm -hmm. But he interprets Kevin not wanting to be let out of gym as playing hardball. So before they can discuss it even further, the bell rings. Cutlip just walks out of the janitor's closet, leaving Kevin in there by himself. Then he comes back in real quickly, grabs his clipboard that he left in there turns out the light and leaves Kevin in there again <laughs> this time in the dark yeah I I, <laughs> I gotta wonder what somebody just an, a random observer might think of an adult leaving a room shutting out the light a closet at a school and then a moments later a student walking out looking disheveled and upset uh, it, it just brings it, it's, it's not in good Christmas spirit to me it's not <laughs> Thankfully, it was after the bell rang, so no one else was in the hall, probably. Oh, yeah. Probably. True. And next thing you know, we're in a study hall where Kevin accidentally lets it slip to Doug. This is ridiculous. Just because I saw Cutlip working at the Brightland Mall. You what? Uh-oh. This is like classic Kevin stuff, too. It's like Kevin is either like staring absolute silently so Daniel Stern can deliver some lines <laughs> or... He is like just letting things fall out of his mouth at all times. Oh, yeah. Just like everything's just falling out at once. There's no no filtering this kid. No. And when it is, there's always like interspersed with Daniel Stern justifying each move. Right. Just a Daniel Stern. Uh oh. Yeah. It's like, I knew I couldn't say what I meant. And then Kevin <laughs> be like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah, good move. Move, Kevin. <laughs> He does stop short of telling Doug where at the mall Cutlip works. Yeah. When some random student gives Kevin a note from the coach telling him to see him in his office immediately. There's the office. I was going to ask, like, he says, like, the way he lets it slip is so weird. <laughs> it's like, he's like, just because I saw Cutlip at the Brightland Mall on Tuesday. What? Or something. It's like, man, you really just kind of like, can you even qualify that as letting it slip? You kind of just dined on yourself i don't know yeah man that was not a slip yeah i don't like i just i don't, I don't understand how you accidentally say that many words <laughs> uh, anyway the office the office it's sloppily adorned with all kinds of trophies like every good gym teacher could have and should have it's true yeah i mean uh, yeah 
honestly, it's not that different from the broom closet. It has a window, though. I'll give him that. Good for him. That's it. That's the only difference. That's a window and his name's on the door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else can you ask for? That's it. Uh, and Cutlip sees Kevin's refusal of his get out of Jim free cards and raises him a fruitcake. <laughs> Always Dude, a fruitcake. The fruitcake gag. Uh, it's a 20% discount, of course. Yes. One of the many reasons he took that job as Santa, which he now finally admits aloud to Kevin. Picked it up at the mall. 20% employees discount. A fruitcake? Just one of the many reasons I took the job. As Santa. And this is kind of like the crux of the episode, or at least kind of the turning point for Kevin, anyway. Yeah. First, we get a very real joke about to a man who's devoted his life to public education. The opportunity to buy wholesale is nothing to laugh at. And he's right. We don't pay teachers enough. That's accurate. That was as as true. It's more true now, maybe. Definitely (laughs) more true now, but surprisingly (laughs) also true then Mm -hmm. yep i don't know if 20 percent off is enough for a fruitcake for me but no now he goes on about having to care for his mother he's in panic mode here absolutely yeah the mother thing i forgot about that i wrote a note somewhere where it's like he immediately says uh, that's when kevin like flips isn't it where he he suddenly is like look i don't care or no way before that no cutlip says you ever been inside a santa outfit we were crossing a line teachers and students were never supposed to cross it was horrifying it's hot and it's sweaty look mr cutlip i don't really want to know what it's like (laughs) it's sweaty yeah yeah he does but when he says when he talks about his mom, he's like, who who knows what catatonic state she could fall into? <laughs> and Kevin responds, that's nice, sir. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you hear? Did you try to listen? Come on. How do you respond to that, though? Kevin is largely brain dead, I oh, think. Th- yeah. <laughs> but finally cuts off the coach, says he doesn't care about any of whatever Cutlet's been going on about. He's not planning on telling anyone about him being Santa. He just wants to forget the whole thing. But then, as he's walking out of the office, Cutlip calls back and simply tells him with a very lonely and defeated look. Kids like me when I'm Santa. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, this is what sells the episode to me. I oh, love yeah. like late what happens later, but this is the moment. Like there's this this performance is really, really good. It, it is. I, I, I feel really bad for him, even as I'm being told to feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> like Kevin's like boy, this is a lonely guy. Don't you feel bad? And I'm like, well, yeah, but not because of what you're saying, just because of how he's acting. Right. This isn't about you anymore. Kevin? It's about Ed Cutler making me feel my feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. Kevin assures him his secret is safe, but it's not because we cut to the school bus where he realizes, whoops, I already told Doug that Cutlip works at the mall, and now Doug told Randy, and Randy told Tommy, and now all of these guys want to go to the mall to see where the gym coach works. Classic hijinks. Oh, man, I don't know. The the, the manhunt for Cutlip. I don't understand. What are they going to do if they see him? It's like, oh. I don't know. What's their end game there? I don't know. Like, oh, you, you're a manager at Orange Julius? Right. Idiot, serve me an orange jewelry. You're in a mall surrounded by adults. What are you just gonna find and laugh at him and then leave? Yeah, and and have gym class be that much worse for the rest of your high school lives? Exactly. Like the there's no good outcomes here. No, I mean I, we're applying adult logic to uh, hastily written children in <laughs> in a sitcom. Yeah, but still. well. <laughs> I don't know. Very strange. Yeah. The the kid the kids in this are just just very like they just move things along for the most part up until the end. Well, first first Kevin feels guilty. He goes home, immediately mm-hmm. runs to his mom and say, uh, I gotta I need a ride to the mall, baiting her with, I wanna get that tie. Man. And it works. <laughs> she stops what she's doing. She's vacuuming or something, and she yeah. says, well, I really got to get dinner ready. I want to get that tie. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, the, the siren song of the tie is just the, too much for moms. The tie cannot wait. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. It's a good bit. Oh, honestly. yeah. No, and so Kevin and his mom get to the mall first, but shortly afterward, in walks this mob of, I counted 12 to 13 kids. <laughs> And you can barely hear it before Daniel Stern cuts in. But one of them yells, let's get him. 
I didn't notice that. That's great. <laughs> what are you going to do, man? Oh, and this is like right after Kevin comes up to him and he's like, good for like Kevin does the right thing. He comes up and he's like, look, I accidentally let it slip. The kids are coming or whatever. But then he just stands there with his mouth open, staring at the kids as they walk towards him. Like, if they see you talking to this man, you're going to defeat yourself again. Right. You got to stop playing yourself. Like this. <laughs> and then Cutlip has to be like, get out of here, kid. Go. <laughs> well, first we see like he's running through the mall mm-hmm. and then he crashes right into some guy in a Dickensian hat and scarf carrying fake snow around. So you have that. Uh, and then there's this short but great scene of Kevin's head on the tracks of this kid's train rhyme that goes around Santa's castle. And he has to roll out of the way of that. And it's just the way it's shot is like the train is up really close. It looks like an Indiana Jones movie. Dude. I completely forgot about that somehow. That is a great shot. It's so perfect. Just such a weird inclusion, but why not? Then as he's running up to Santa Cutlip, he gets stopped by this elf. Hey, hey, hey. Gotta wait your turn. Uh, Yeah, but this is important. I know him. That's what they all say. And the elf is Aaron Eisenberg. He's another Star Trek guy. He was was in Deep Space Nine as as Nog. Oh, I didn't didn't recognize him. Yeah, well, I mean... (laughs) Nog is a very made-up character, so. (laughs) Nog? Nog. He's one of the Ferengi. He's got, like, a whole headpiece. It's like... Oh, okay. So there's there's little chance I would recognize him. Yeah, no. Not in in all that makeup. It's like, it's... I see. Okay. And he's about the same height as Fred Savage here, and Kevin tries to explain, listen, I know Santa, and the elf replies, yeah, that's what they all say. (laughs) I know him. Yeah. That's like... Well, I guess I just inadvertently elfed. Sorry. Oh, he's right. Everyone does say that. Even Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell said it years later. Yeah. Too much aplomb. That's right. Good call. Uh, But Santa quietly calls Kevin over, asks what he's doing here. I... I, You're not going to sit on my lap, are you? No. Good. You're too old. You realize that. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Cutlip, I... Call me Santa. (laughs) And this is where he comes to apologize. Yeah. It's a good scene, man. Yeah. I like the urgency in Cutlip's voice when Kevin first calls him Mr. Cutlip and he's like, Shh, call me Santa. <laughs> yeah. He kind of does like, oh, man. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. I just really love this performance by him. He's usually pretty funny, but he doesn't get to do a lot of these like moments where he's, you know, anything other than just, you know, gym coach, like, like that archetype right so letting him like stretch his legs here really worked for me yeah and keeping this cover of santa is way more important to him than being seen by his students and rightly so Mm -hmm. because i mean i who knows what could happen if a bunch of teens see you working at a job oh no (laughs) i know it's terrifying and this is where he tells kevin to move along and for dramatic effect as as he stands up Mm mm-hmm there's a choir of carolers at Santa's castle there, and they start singing the hallelujah chorus. Let them come if they must. I am who I am. This is like, like again, this is one of my favorite things about this episode and, and about the Wonder Years in general. If you're not like directly focused in on something in the Wonder Years, it does not matter. The fact that Cutlip is standing stoic straight dressed as Santa in front of a bunch of waiting kids and staring down a bunch of teenagers across the mall. Nobody has anything to say about that. It is not strange to anybody, but us, the viewers at home. Nope. And, but like, I don't know. It, it works out really well, but like, that's like Kevin's having an inner monologue and I guess time just kind of freezes and he's just like, I'm looking back and forth at these two parties that have just Santa's just staring down children at this point. Yeah, he gives him the old, what's wrong with this guy? Classic Fred Savage look on his face before he heads off his friends in their let's get a mob of extras who get told by one of them to just split up. So they all scatter except for the three main guys. They just run into the woods. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But here comes the big scene where if you've seen this episode, you probably remember how it ends better than everything else in the episode. Yeah, probably. Uh, first, Doug looks up at the Christmas castle, followed by Tommy and then Randy. All of these quizzical looks on their face. So you think they might recognize him? 
Mm-hmm. And I remember as a kid thinking, what's going to happen? Um, and all that happens is they each smile one by one because all they see is Santa Claus. Those three skeptics gaze straight at that white beard, dead into the eyes of Coach Cutlip not 30 feet away. But all that they saw was Santa Claus. Santa staring us down. I love it. And Santa smiles back. It's like, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, honestly. I, I think this is a really, like, this. there's a reason that this stood out in our in your memory and mine yeah. as the best Christmas episode of the show, or the most interesting one, because it really does kind of like, it's just a nice, tidy package of, you know, this is some actual, like, Christmas cheer that you can access, even as an adult, is the willful or not uh, engagement with fanciful things that you normally would like laugh at or not think about or joke about with your buddies or whatever. There's something nice about that. Yeah, no, it's great. They, uh, the guys just go, let's keep looking. And that's the end of the conflict. The carolers sing silent night. Santa just looks around for a second, remembers what he's supposed to be doing, calls up the next girl in line. (laughs) It's great. All right. Who's next to see Santa? Daniel Stern says a whole thing. A whole sternish thing. And of course, Kevin has to make it about himself, even as an adult. And he said, I never, never gave, gave him away. Yeah. Really self-congratulatory, Kevin. I'm the hero. Was there, there, there had to have been, there's like an unofficial catchphrase in the show, or maybe it's official for all I know, of Kevin saying, and I knew what I had to do after like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like the, it's like the, I, I learned something today of this show. It's yeah. that. That wrap-up moment is kicking in. I know he had that. Yeah, right? he says that. Uh, he says that getting home and telling his mom, "I need a ride to the mall." There was, a, I knew what okay. I had to do. So that's what I was. I guess I was thought in my mind. I, I don't know. I, I, I just it just glossed over this time. But I feel like every episode, he suddenly knows what he has to do and decides not to be a, a jerk. I wouldn't be surprised. Like that. That's definitely a narrator Daniel Stern thing to say. Yeah, I mean it's. It's easy nomenclature for a writer to put in there and then just fill in the Mad Lib later. Yes, that's right. (laughs) But that's it. A very cheery ending to my favorite Christmas episode of The Wonder Years. Yeah, it's good stuff, honestly. Like, I mean, poking fun at it is fun, too. But it's it's like it's a pretty effective uh, Christmas cheer sort of access point for me. Um, One that is not explicitly for kids that I'm like kayfabing myself into loving like I did as a kid, even though it kind of is that there's some nostalgia for me too. Sure. It, it accesses those things on an, a a comparatively adult level, I think. And it works really well. Yeah. It's, it's well, even the whole concept of it being set 20 years before it airs just has a whole like double layer of nostalgia going back to it now. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Even triple layers, because it's not it's about things that I didn't have nostalgia for before, but I like felt something of it. It's like, oh, I relate to this kid who existed before me. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, what what is there to say? I, I would like I there was a time where I would throw together like like holiday mix DVD Blu-rays or whatever. Um, Not Blu-rays, DVDs of shows like Christmas specials like this. Um mm-hmm. And this was like absolutely a must watch on there for me. Like, yes. This, is, this particular episode is is genuinely maybe one of the closest things I have to an annual viewing of a specific episode of a Christmas show next to like the Always Sunny sh- Christmas episode or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch it as often as I should, but I think I might have to make this more of a regular watch. I think it's a good good call. Yeah. And and Cutlip is just such a well-conceived secondary character who finally gets his day in the sun here. So I'm glad that this is the Cutlip episode. Yeah. Did I do they ever do more with him later? I don't remember. I mean, he not not at the I mean, this I don't know. Really, I know he doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah no. Okay. But I think he yeah. had one other episode where got nominated for an Emmy, but I I don't remember much about oh, wow. it because well, he's not Santa in that one. <laughs> <laughs> so who cares? No, yeah. Uh, but thank you, Andy, for joining me on this very important physical challenge. Of course, yeah. Happy to do it. Thank you. And if people want to bribe you with fruitcake and red pistachios, where can they find you on the internet? <laughs> um, 
I am all over the place, but I, probably the thing that I will choose to promote is my own podcast, which is called Straight Chilling. And it's a very silly um, podcast about horror movies where me and my buddies use it as an excuse to make uh, blue humor jokes towards each other <laughs> for many hours. So it is every podcast you've ever heard, except this one is mine. <laughs> so please, please visit Straight Chilling Podcast. It's hard G on that. Uh, I do highly recommend you guys are closing in. Well, probably by the time this airs, you'll be at or near 400 episodes. So we are. We're closing in on 400. That's... <laughs> unbelievable to say out loud but yes it's true long time running but but Mm -hmm. please go take a listen you can find those links in the show notes on this episode and those show notes and links to my socials are all at adventcalendar.house you can say hi to me on twitter at fallwestmike and adventcalhouse don't miss another festive episode in just a couple of days until then for andy gaddis from a dimly lit janitorial closet in the hallway of my high school This is Mike Westfall saying, please watch out for that icy patch and don't tell your friends where Santa works at the mall. They'll find out. You can't miss him. It's a castle. (laughs) And now these messages. Were you the kid who would sit as close to the TV as possible on Friday night to enjoy the likes of Steve Urkel, Corey Matthews, and DJ Tanner? Do you love Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas? then I've got the podcast for you. I'm Matt, and I'm the host of the TGI Podcast, where we take a trip down memory lane with classic TGIF and TGIF-adjacent shows from the 90s and beyond, and we like to determine whether or not their Halloween, Thanksgiving, or Christmas episodes should be deemed a holiday classic. If they pass the test, they get a... You got it, dude! And if they fail, they're saddled with a... No way, Jose! So if you like all the holidays and some other random dates in between, be sure to give us a listen. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... Harry the Cat and Tucker the Mouse are dog-tired of the rat race that's replaced the Christmas spirit. Peace on Earth, goodwill to men... With all that going on out there. Can anyone help humanity stop and hear the music? The whole city needs you. And so the unlikely trio sets out to spread their message of goodwill towards men. But is it too late for mankind to hear their message? Or is there still time for a small miracle on 34th Street? It's the warm and wonderful holiday tale of a very merry cricket. <laughs>